These are 10 uncommon yet powerful tips to make more money off of social media. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Okay, Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo. I'm the founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute. We focus on business, mindset, and lifestyle hacking for Driven Mofos. The reason why I do this is that most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. I love working with driven people, especially business owners or people who want to move up in their careers and want to push themselves hard and need a lot of human performance tools to be able to do that. In any leadership position, in any management position, and even in business ownership, 99% of your problems are going to be human problems. And if you don't understand human behavior and all the patterns that go with that, then you'll struggle with sales, marketing, branding, and all the other parts of the business apart from maybe the technology side of things. But even then, people have to implement that. And so if they are ineffective in communication, even the technology that you have won't work effectively because the people won't work effectively. So we essentially build people that build businesses. Today, we are talking about how to make more money off of social media with these 10 uncommon yet powerful tips. And these are some of the things that I've learned from my journey of being on social media and also not having a large following compared to a lot of other people out there, yet making 10 times the amount of money that they've made. And even on TikTok recently, I was talking to someone and they had way, way more followers. I think I've got like six or 10,000 followers on TikTok. I monetized it within like the first month or two where I'd made a couple of thousand dollars straight away off of it. Whereas for them, they had had, I think they've got like half a million followers and they're still having trouble monetizing and actually getting money out of it. Yet they're spending all this time and energy on TikTok, posting three or four times a day, doing fucking dances and jumping around and doing all that stuff, trying to get this huge amount of following, but they don't even really know how to monetize it or understand why they're monetizing it. And so for them, essentially, it's just time wastage. And most people on social media platforms are just wasting time, both by consuming content and also by having social media and using it incorrectly. Now, there are so many different ways that people do use social media, which can be effective and also non-effective, but these are 10 sort of uncommon ways, but also 10 things that most business owners, I think, forget about when they're using social media. Some of these you might know, some of them you might not, some of them you may have heard before, but maybe not utilizing, so it'd be a good refresher. But some of you, you'll just sit there and go, fuck, these are things that I'm definitely not doing on my social media platform. I think I'll also talk about some of the uncommon mistakes that most people make as well, Like there are lots of business owners out there who start a social media page and then they invite all their friends to it. The question is, are your friends going to buy off you? Because if not, you're wasting money and you're wasting time. Because if they're never going to buy, problem with that is that if you are going to then spend money on Facebook ads and blast it out to the people who follow your page, the people who are following your page might be friends and family. And so you're spending money on Facebook ads to go to them and they're never going to buy. You know, I have people who sign up to Facebook or whatever, or they create their Facebook page for their business. And it's like ladies' haircuts. And then I get a fucking invite to it. Well, I'm never going to go get my haircut at a ladies' hairdressing salon. So that was a waste of money. It was a waste of time. And also, you just piss people off who might already be friends with you. And they might want to support you. But at the same time, they're never going to interact with your page. They're never going to engage with it because they're the wrong type of people. Just like if you've got a heavy machinery page and you're inviting your cousins and your cousin's friends and your other friends you went to high school with, they might never, ever buy heavy machinery or even need anything to do with heavy machinery. So again, it's just wasting your time. And then what will happen is you'll start getting feedback from those friends and family and people around you about what they like and don't like, and that can influence your ability to post effective content that is going to help you to get a sale down the track. So let's talk about this. First of all, number one is understand your target audience from the psychographics and the demographics. So psychographics tend to be a lot more broader. So let's say it's their attitude, it's the way that they behave, the way that they interact. It might be their personas, their personality. So for our business, I love working with driven people. Now that's a psychographic, not a demographic, because we know there are certain things that driven people have in their lives and problems that they have that a lot of other people don't have. For instance, I know that the majority of the people who come to our events consistently experience burnout, and they're experiencing burnout because of the way that they think and the way that they perform. Now, the thing that has allowed them to achieve great levels of success in their business is also going to be the thing that will stop their business from growing eventually because they'll consistently burn out and want to escape and want to do things that are non-effective in their business just because of the way that they're wired of being driven all the time and pushing hard. So you need to know your psychographics. What type of people are you trying to attract? What are their common patterns of behavior? What are their problems? What do they like? What do they dislike? 
How do you like dealing with them? I know that a lot of people in our community, they love food. So a lot of the time at our events, like our business and entrepreneur odyssey, which is essentially our mastermind, I normally go out for dinner on the Friday or the Saturday night with our attendees. We do cool shit as well. Like we have different events, like we'll do a business breakfast or something like that, where a lot of business owners come and a lot of high profile business owners and we'll invite them along. But I tend not to invite people who aren't part of the demographic or the psychographics we have because it just creates chaos. There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who just go to business networking events and they walk around, they give out their business cards all the time. I call them card fuckers because they're like a gyrating hand with a business card in it and they just walk around trying to fuck everyone with their business card and that's not effective networking. They're the people that I don't want in our circles because it ruins relationships. A lot of the people that I invite to those things or people who are part of our odyssey, they're people who want to build relationships, who want to build connections with other people that are like-minded, that are driven and all want to help each other to succeed. And so they're part of our psychographics. Then you've got demographics. So are they male, female? What age bracket are they in? Do they have kids? Do they not have kids? So you're getting down really into the detailed stuff about an individual person. That tends to be more of your demographic. So I would always start with psychographics before I get into demographics. And the reason why a lot of marketers don't do well is because they'll go to a customer that they have who's wanting marketing and they'll say to that person, that business owner, what are your demographics? Now, let's just say you're a hairdresser or a barber. If they're a hairdresser, they go, well, we get males and females. So then that becomes confusing. And then they go, well, we cut everyone's hair from kids right through to 80-year-olds. Okay, well, that's a fucking problem because we can't send Facebook ads to that broader audience at once. I mean, you can, but you're spraying and hoping. And then you go, what are they like? And they're like, well, some of them are business owners, some of them aren't. And so for most business owners, when they work with marketers, especially the ones who go straight into who's your demographic, it is really stressful and really confusing and you get shitty results because you're starting with demographics. I would always start with psychographics and fine tune it. So out of all the people that come in, why do they come in? Do they come in because your prices are cheap? Do they come in because you're very friendly? Is it more like a family operation? Do the majority of your customers come in because you know everybody? And so you wanna start with that broad sort of, this is why people come to us. And what that will help with is it will also help with your branding. You know, I know there are a lot of people out there who go, my electrical business is the best at what we do. And then you ask who their customers are and who their demographics are, and they're just so broad. It's like, well, mums, dads, grandparents, whatever. But the psychographic is the people who tend to buy from us aren't so much price competitive, they're more quality. They wanna know that the job's done right. So we film everything and we wrap it around quality. And so we're not more of a quantity-based business. So you wanna start with those psychographics first because it will help you with branding and it will help you to understand your customer really, really well. And then from there, you can fine tune it. And the only reason I think you need to fine tune the demographics is because when you're running certain, let's just say ads, you wanna run it to a certain person. So we have certain people in our community that we run ads to that are very, very specific to our niche audience. Like we have a fairly large following of trade-based businesses. Now, the tradies that we try to target are people who are tradies. They do really, really well in their skill set. Then they hire more and more staff because they're so good and they get overwhelmed and they're like, crap, I need to hire a few more people and I'm gonna bring on some other tradies as well to do work. And then after a while, they're running a business. So they're essentially a tradie running a business, not a business owner who has a trade. And so the whole psychological profile of that person has to change. And so that's one of our demographics. Now that person there, we call him Shane. Now Shane is an electrician. Shane, I think he's like 38 years of age. He's got two kids. He's a business owner. He's overwhelmed. He's stressed out. He's burnt out. He consistently goes through burnout. He feels guilty. He drinks alcohol quite a lot after work. He feels stressed out consistently. He watches football and rugby on the weekend. And so we're very, very specific around that demographic because when we're running Facebook ads, we run it to that person. But in our psychographics, we essentially help business owners. And a lot of you right now are listening to this and going, shit, I can relate to part of that story. That's more of the psychographic. And you'll hear me talk about the psychographics of our customers. Our customers are normally chilled out, relaxed. They're not the politically correct type that want to be called him, her, fucking he, she, proper pronouns and all that crap. They're not our customers. They're not the people, and there's some of you on here are probably offended now and will never listen to my shit again after that. But the truth is that you'll never be our customer if that's you because a lot of our clients will like going out for dinner together. They have banter. They want to go out and enjoy a steak and a glass of red wine or a couple of beers after our events or you know on Saturday night, even during our mastermind. A lot of them are quite friendly. So they open up their networks. They're chilled. They like to travel. They just like to hang out with people. They tend to be people people and they run businesses. 
But at the same time, they have a lot of the common same stresses in business as well. So again, burnout, tired. When I'm delivering content, I tend to focus on the psychographic, but when we're running ads, we focus on a demographic. So I hope that helps everybody anyway, but you need to know these things. All right, so number one is understand your target audience. Number two is list the problems and talk about how you help with those problems. So I have a massive sheet. And what I did was we looked at what are the biggest problems that business owners who are our core psychographic, the business owners that we focus on who are trying to grow their business, they're normally under $10 million. We normally target anywhere between about $500,000 turnover and about $5 million turnover a year. So, you know, there's quite a broad selection there, but they're starting to look at scaling their business. And now these are people who are skilled at their skill set, but not so skilled as being a super operational efficient business owner. And so there's lots of gaps. They need to learn marketing, sales, branding, hiring, firing. There's just so much that they need to learn and it can be quite overwhelming for a lot of them. But our goal is to get them in and then grow them to that $10 million in turnover. So that's where a lot of our clients come in for our events. But personally, one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of my clients are high net worth. So they might be anywhere between, some of them have two to $3 million a year in turnover in their business and others are well up over $100 million a year in turnover in their businesses. But my price points reflect that as well because I don't wanna be working with people who are in startup phase, who don't have a lot of capital. There's just way too many problems. I'd rather filter them into our events and then slowly take them through the step-by-step -step stages of our events in order to bring them up to a level where they're ready for this stuff in the future. So what we've done is we work right on, if you're $500,000 a year turnover, what are the problems? What are the problems at a million dollars a year? What are the problems at $3 million? What are the problems at $5 million? And then we keep guiding them and talking about those problems. So we keep pushing all of our target audience and our psychographics up through that profile. We talk about it because it's really, really important to make sure that number one on your social media, you're delivering value. But number two is you've got to get people to know, like, and trust you. And this is where a lot of businesses go wrong because they're not using their social media pages to build trust with the customer to deliver value to the customer, all they're doing is they're talking about their product. And something that I say consistently to business owners is no one gives a fuck about you and no one gives a fuck about your business. Once you realize that, you actually have a business that people care about. The problem is that most business owners go, well, I'm a plumber, so therefore I'm just gonna put up photos of me doing plumbing work. No one gives a fuck about you, no one cares. I say it really harshly because it's a wake up call and I do this in my events as well because so many people use social media incorrectly and then they wonder why their business isn't getting growth or they're getting the incorrect customers. No one cares about your business. And in a world where there's 7 billion people, for the majority of the people that are listening here, you're unknown. Yet most people think that everyone knows about their business and that, you know, I need to get it out there and I need to like show people what we do. And you might be impressed by the work, but your customers aren't. Teach them something, help them. If you think about when you make a buying decision, if you don't know something, you wanna learn something about it. So let's just say that I was doing a renovation in my house. Now I will go onto YouTube or I will go and discuss with people and go, hey, how do I do this? What's the first step to start? And I start gaining knowledge because you won't buy until you're confident enough to understand what you need to do in order to make that buying decision. Now, most business owners don't think about this because when your customer goes to your social media page, are you helping them to make better buying decisions so that they can understand the product and the service that you offer where they feel confident enough to wanna to spend money with you? And for most businesses, the answer is no. I spoke about this a little while ago on the podcast where if you're doing home renovations, most home renovation businesses or let's say most building businesses that do home renovations, they're not helping the customer make a better buying decision and are building trust with the customer. They're just showing. Look, we build a pergola, we put on gutters, we do plumbing, we're electrical business. Look at the electrical work that we do. Now, to other electricians, that might be impressive, but to your customer, they don't give a shit, right? So you need to stop doing that immediately. What you need to do is you need to add value so that they can make a better buying decision. So it might be like the five key things that you need to know when you're installing brand new kitchen tapware. Now, if I'm doing a renovation, I might go, okay, shit, that's important to know. I better quickly read this. So I read it and I go, oh, I never knew this stuff. So now I'm building trust with you. I'm a consumer and now I start to trust your business because I feel like you're helping me. And when we give something to someone, there's almost this law of reciprocity where we wanna give back to them. And people will pay more for things that they trust and that they don't trust. And a prime example of this is when I got my first supercar, which was my R8, when I bought that, I didn't go to the cheapest place for the service. I went to the people that I trusted the most. Now, I didn't care about the price that I paid. I cared about that someone was looking after my baby, that I knew that I could trust them with my car and that I was gonna get the best job done. Now, not everybody has that as their buying motive, but there are a lot of people out there that do. And the reason why was that I knew these people from around the place, but before I bought the car, I went and had a chat to them. I said, what about this? What about this? And they spent time with me 
helping me and educating me on all the things that I needed to know. So when I bought the car, I went there. Zagami's is here in Adelaide. I knew the head mechanic from Audi. They went across the Zagami. So I automatically took my car there and their service has been phenomenal and everything like that. But it's just, I had the trust there. What most business owners don't think about is that they need people to trust them in order to buy. If not, they'll price compare. So when you have a plumber that says, I'll do 20% off, and another plumber that says, we'll also do 20% off, how does the customer or consumer make a buying decision? Because essentially it's only price. So I'll call you up, say, hey, can you send in a quote? I call someone else up, can you send in a quote? Or I'll just say, hey, look, this is what I need done. How much does it cost? And that's it. So you're essentially only ever gonna get price competitive customers. Now you might go, well, we do the best job, but everyone fucking says that. So teach them something, train them something, give them something where they go, wow, this has really helped me to understand something. So the more you can educate your customer on making a buying decision, the better the quality of customer you're gonna get. And also you're just gonna naturally have customers that want to spend money with you. So please make sure that you're helping the customer and you understand the customer's problems with buying, right? Not how great your product is. So I see this all the time. I go to a plumber's page and they have a bath install. Well, why do I care? Like baths are the same. I can go to any place in the whole of South Australia here. I can walk into any bathroom or kitchen supply place or whatever it is, and they'll show me that they have taps. They show me that there's a bath in there and they all look the fucking same to me, right? That's how people buy, right? Now, if you can tell me all the reasons that could go wrong with installing a bath and then educate me on what I need to know, I go, wow, I trust you a little bit more. And should you do that every day or every week, over time, customers will trust you more. So please make sure you're doing that if you are listening to this because it's a massive mistake that most people make. So number two is make a list of their problems and then talk about how you can help them with these problems and help them to make a better buying decision by educating them. When I was working with a person who owned a building company that focused on home renovations, I said to them, create a list, a checklist, and put it on your website, which is, here's a free downloadable checklist that you need to have when you're doing a home renovation. And in there, you could download it and then there was a bunch of videos, like a video series, where you can go and watch it of all the things that might go wrong that you need to ask your builder. When you do that, customers go, fuck, I never knew half of this stuff. This person's really good because they're educating me. And then should they go to a competitor and the competitor doesn't know those things? You already look like a genius and it makes the competitor look like shit. So it's such an easy way. Whereas what they were doing was they would go, well, we've been around for 20 years. We do a 20% off. We'll do a free quote. Well, everyone does a free quote and the majority of people do price competition. So like, who do you choose? Okay, it's all the same stuff. I hope that helps, driven mofos. Let's keep going. Number three is use a hook. So whenever you're posting anything on social media, you want to use a hook. Most people, when you think about the consumer habits of your customers, they're normally sitting on their phone scrolling and they're just flicking through and they're wanting something to grab their attention. So you might write the world's best post, but if you don't have a hook or a way of hooking them in, then they will keep scrolling. So what I say to my team and I've been working with them on this lately because we've got a new team. And so I've been working with them on this stuff. Essentially what you need to do is you need to have a reason for people to stop scrolling. So you've got to stop them. Now in psychology, it's called a pattern interrupt. So they're scrolling through their phone. You have to pattern interrupt that scrolling. So you've got to have something bright or something that stands out or some big keywords that jump out off of the page that make them go, oh, what was that? And then they stop. Okay, so that's a pattern interrupt. You've got to think about your pattern interrupt and then your hook. So how do you pattern interrupt them and stop them from scrolling? And then secondly, how do you hook them in to read the rest of the post or to view the rest of the post? Now the news or the media do this really, really well. If you look at the front page of, let's say whatever newspaper, the local newspaper, if they're still around, if you have a look, they'll use keywords like tragedy at dawn, because as you walk past that, you look and you go, oh, what's that about? And so they use these big powerful words that are emotional and very emotive that then stop you from walking past so that you look at that newspaper. That's called a pattern interrupt. And then there's also a hook there, which might be like they'll start the story and then it goes, go to page five to read the rest of the story. That's essentially hooking you in to read the whole entire story. So you wanna think about when you're posting things, how do you create a pattern interrupt and also a hook? So you might have a picture, let's say you're a plumber. I keep using trade-based businesses because I work with a lot of them, but especially in our business odyssey, but this could be for any industry. I work with a lot of property developers as well. And I mean, I work with a lot of different businesses, but let's just say you're a plumber and there's a picture of a roof collapsed in and a bathroom sitting on the ground. And that there could be the pattern interrupts because if someone's scrolling through their phone, they look at that photo and they stop and they're like, what the fuck was that? So that makes them stop. So that's the pattern interrupt. Then what happens is you need a hook and it might be five key things to stop your own renovation destruction, right? So now you're using very emotive words that's the hook. 
So not only am I gonna stop scrolling, I'm gonna read that and go, what are those five key things? And then from there, you start to deliver content. And it might be, make sure you hire a qualified trade and you talk about the reason why. The second thing might be, make sure you're using premium products and not price cutting. Number three, if you're gonna install something that has large mass behind it, upstairs in a second story, make sure that the flooring can support it. So make sure you ask your builder or a trade whether the floor can support and sustain the weight of whatever it is. And so you come up with these key things where someone reads it and they're like, shit, I never thought about these things. Again, now I'm building trust with you. But what you've done is you've stopped me from scrolling, you've hooked me in. Now, this happened quite a lot. I've had a fair few people in my marketing team over the years, and the majority of them don't understand the consumer pattern, which is that most people when they're on their phone are scrolling through and they do not give a shit about your business, your product, your brand. So you can write the world's best post, but no one will read it unless you have a pattern interrupt and a hook. Just like in the newspaper, they could have the world's best article, but no one will read it unless they stop walking past and look at whatever's on the front page. And if it's enough to grab them, then they'll do it. Also, if you just have a look at, let's say, wherever you are around the world, you might have the 5 p.m. news. Now, the 5 p.m. news, when they start, they normally start with the key things that have happened that day so that then you watch. So it might be like, it normally starts with the very emotive music. And it brings you in. And so you're like, whoa, this is the news. And then from there, it's like five people die on the road at da-da-da. And then, you know, the next thing is building collapses here. Bomb goes off in the Ukraine. And so they're using all of these things to try to hook you in to watch the next 25 minutes or so. And that's what they're doing. Once you understand those psychological patterns that are used in marketing, then it makes it a lot easier for you to understand when you're watching the news or when you're reading books or when you're stopping scrolling or when you're buying things, what are some of the strategies that they're using to hook you in? Because I guarantee they're using a pattern interrupt and they're also using a hook to stop you when you're scrolling as well. So I consistently look at what I stop scrolling and looking at when I'm on social media because they're obviously using a good pattern interrupt and a great hook. So make sure that all your posts have some sort of a pattern interrupt and a hook. Number four is share information, transformation, and stories. So a lot of the time, a lot of businesses, as I mentioned, will just share what they do. So they share their what. And it's like, you know, we're electricians, we did electrical work today. And there's someone fucking standing up and there's a picture of a PowerPoint or an electrical circuit or whatever. Now, as a consumer, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. Because if I'm going to renovate my house or let's say I need to put a new PowerPoint in the socket, what's going to make me buy from you versus the competitor? And so what you want to do is you want to share information that will help me to make a better buying decision. You can also share transformation. So before and after, like how did you turn it around? And then tell the story of how you did it. So it might be something like we met Jane. Jane was really unsure because she wanted to renovate her bathroom. But unfortunately, at the time, there was this problem and we helped her solve this problem by doing this and gave her this advice. Then Jane got us back in and here's the final product. And so you're telling a story. Like humans love watching movies. We love getting involved in stories. I mean, that's the reason why people will watch TikTok and watch YouTube and all that stuff because of the stories behind it and they engage us and they pull us in. And it's also the way humans communicate. Listen to all the stories that I tell in this podcast, but also when you're talking to friends, you tell fucking stories all the time. So we wanna use stories on our social media platforms instead of it just being like, here's a new bathroom we did. Tell the story about the owner. Tell the story about the transformation. Tell the story about the buying decision that she made and how you were able to help her to do her bathroom or how you were able to do something that you know she didn't even know that she could do. When you do that, you start to build a relationship. I had someone a little while ago who I was consulting with and they had an electrical company and they said, you know, Michael, we wanna use our social media platform more. And I said, well, who are your staff? Like, I don't know anything about your business. All I see is there's electrical, there's wires. You've got a photo of one of your cars, like with the sign writing down the side. But as a consumer, I don't give a shit. Tell me about your team. Who are your front office staff? Tell me about their story. Tell me about you as the owner. What's your journey been? How did you start? All of those things because I want to build a relationship with you. People buy when they know, like, and trust somebody. Now, if I don't know you, I don't like you, and I don't trust you, I'm never going to buy. So the more you can tell me your story, the better it is. Like I tell when someone signs up for Thrive Time, I automatically say, Amy is our amazing customer service person. She is absolutely phenomenal. She knows all the back end. She's the one who does everything in our back end. She will look after you. And sometimes I've got to tell Amy not to look after people so much because she will spend a whole day on the phone to someone having a chat because she just likes to talk about things. She likes to know who our community are. She's fucking fantastic as our customer service person. So I let people know about Amy. So when they're signing up, they automatically feel like they know Amy. 
You know, she's a mom. She's amazing at customer service. She understands all of our backend. So if you ever have a problem, you know, message Amy and they get her email. So I do all these things because most people only know me. And then because of that, they always come to me. So when they've got a problem, they'll email me and say, well, how do I access the back end? And I'm like, shit, I don't even know how to do that because I never access it, right? I've developed all this stuff in there, but my team put it all together. They look after it all. And if someone comes to me, I just palm it straight off to them. So I would rather that they know that my team are the experts and so they go to them instead of me. I hope that helps Driven Mofo. So start introducing people to your team. Tell a little bit about your story. Do you have family? Do you have kids? Do you know if you understand the values of your customers, it makes it so much easier. Like a lot of our clients that I know that their values are normally, we have a lot of people in our community that love exercise, that like movement. So we get a lot of people who love exercise and movement. So I share some of my exercise journey on social media because then people go, oh, he's like us. I also love eating food. So I'll share when I'm out and about with friends and all that stuff because I love going out and socializing and eating food and all those types of things. I also love cars. So cars are my thing. So I'll share part of that as well and letting little kids sit in my car or the people that I'm talking to when I'm at car events and all those things. I will share those things because it makes people feel like they know me. And I have people who message me and they're like, I've followed you for years and I know this and I know this and you know, I know you've got niece and nephews and so on. I share those things because it means that people, I guess, get to know me as a person. They also get to know the people in my business and why we do what we do. So don't be afraid to do that. Even if you're a plumbing business, some people don't like to put their kids in there or whatever. I understand that. But that's also a thing that might stop you from having the brand that you want. Like if you have a young family, chuck on there, you know, like your kids in there. My brother-in-law does it. So he's got a plumbing business and I see my nephew on there, Jordan, only a couple of weeks ago, like they put a photo on there of when he was like six years of age. He was driving around in a little excavator, digging holes in the backyard of one of their rental properties. And that got huge traction because it's just a story of like, how cool is it that there's this six-year-old kid digging holes in the backyard with an excavator? It's like every kid's dream. In fact, it's a lot of dudes that I know it's their dream as well. So just by that, it makes it more relatable. Now, if you're a young family and you see that your plumber also has a young family, it means that they're more relatable and more trustworthy. Those things are huge, but most people miss that. So number four is share information, transformation, and stories. Number five is use a call to action. Most people don't think about a call to action. Now, Russell Brunson, if you read any of his books, and he's got a lot of fantastic stuff out there, expert secrets and so on, when it comes to marketing, he has an approach called hook story offer, which is use a hook, tell a story, and then deliver an offer. Now that's great if you're essentially marketing a product or a service. So if it's time to market your product and service, like let's say, this month you've got a business, let's say you sell books. Now, if you've got an offer this month for 10% off of those books, then you want to hook a story and then a call to action or a hook and something about the product or whatever it is and then the call to action, which it might be click the link here to save 10% now. I would change that and I've changed that with our team and I put it as a call to action. So you want a call to action in most of your posts. So it might be like, give a thumbs up if you agree. It might be something like, make sure you subscribe to our page. I do it in these things here. So I will say, you know, if you want extra value-added training, go and click on our YouTube and subscribe because when you do that, I will tell you that we have extra trainings on there. So I'm about to deliver a sales training in the next couple of weeks and my team are editing some stuff now where there's gonna be all this bonus content and more high-level trainings on our YouTube channel. So I will direct people on the podcast or on our social media page and say, please go and subscribe to the Michael Mojo 00 YouTube channel or just type in Michael Mojo in the search bar and then for extra bonus content or whatever. And then what happens is we notice that we get an increase in the subscriber rate. I might sometimes say, shoot me a message on one of my social media pages. So I say, go and search Michael Mojo 00 on any social media platform. Send me a message if you've got any questions because I would love to use your questions. I will answer them on the podcast or jump across into our free Facebook group. So we've got a Facebook group called the Driven Mofo Business Hacks or it's no bullshit business hacks for driven mofos. If you get into the search bar on Facebook and type that in, you'll find the group, it's free. If you're a business owner, jump in there. And then every day we deliver free content and good shit as well, like not just fluffy rah-rah stuff to get you motivated. It's like we actually go into how to do stuff. I will consistently use call to actions either on the podcast or on our social media page. And I consistently do that because I want to spread out a lot of our audience. Because if Facebook does something one day, let's say Facebook shits its pants and goes bankrupt, then I need to make sure that we have diversified our audience on multiple platforms. I also want to make sure as well that on different platforms, we deliver things in different way. Like on TikTok, TikTok is very short, sharp, shiny, say what you need to say, get off, and you've got to get a lot of engagement. Now, it's great for attention, but the problem is that most people aren't buying. In fact, very rarely do people buy off of TikTok. 
And what normally happens is the people on TikTok then go to my Instagram page and then they follow me on Instagram, which is shows more of myself and more of my day. And when that happens, eventually they shoot me a message. And when they shoot me a message, then I start a relationship and then they buy. I wanna make sure that I'm diversifying my platforms through those call to actions. So you wanna think about what your call to action are on your post. It might be like, give a thumbs up if you agree. Does this help? If you've got any questions, post a comment below, jump across to whatever other platform. Make sure that there's a call to action on, let's say one out of three posts. And then that way you're training your audience as well to connect and take action on things. It massively helps as well with the engagement of your page. So that's number five is use a call to action after the story. So it's hook, story, call to action, or hook, transformation, call to action. It might be hook, share some content or some information and then a call to action at the bottom. And you wanna do that call to action in at least one out of three, if not every post. Number six is don't worry about numbers versus the quality of your audience. So I spoke about this a little bit earlier and that is that I know that on my social media page on Facebook, this was a couple of years ago, I built a really strong social media following where the followers would spend money with us. So even though we had 20,000 people or 19,000 people, whatever it was on our Facebook page, I made millions of dollars from that social media page and the majority of time, a lot of it was organic traffic. Now this was a couple of years ago before Facebook really like nailed it down, but I was making millions of dollars a year just from a social media page by delivering value and content. And then we would have like a free webinar and then from the webinar, we would get people to sign up to our events or we would run a nighttime event where we would charge like $24 or $27 or something or $47 where you can come along and I would deliver a three hour presentation and then from there, we would sign up a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of sales because people have already followed me on social media and then I was able to drop it and drive them across into our other events like Thrive Time and so on. You wanna make sure that your audience is quality, not quantity. So they fit into those demographics and psychographics that you're delivering value add and good quality content because just because you've got a million followers doesn't mean anything. You can have a very strong entertainment page. Those people may never buy anything unless it's merch. And I've had some people before who work for us and they've had, you know, 100,000 or 200,000 followers on their social media page. And I out earn them 100 to one because of the quality of the product that we're selling. And also because our community were ready to buy and we're solving problems versus just, hey, look, I'm doing something stupid. Look at me for 30 to 60 seconds. And they had a huge following because it's entertaining. But like, why are you gonna buy something that's high ticket or high price off someone who acts like a clown on their social media platform consistently? So you have to really think about the quality of the people in your group and your audience versus the quantity. Now, I know it's hard because you do have to put yourself in check. There are so many times where I look on social media and it makes me feel massively insecure where I'm like, fuck, they've got like 200,000 followers and they put out one video and they get a million views. And I'm like, fuck, we've got like 200 views on our video and I feel like shit. But at the same time, those 200 people out of them, 50% of them might buy. So that's 100 people might buy a product for two grand. That's $200,000 in sales. That person that has a million followers or a million people have viewed it, they might get one sale of a t-shirt and that t-shirt might be worth $20 with like a dollar margin on it. So they made a dollar really out of whatever it is that they're selling. So yeah, you just got to keep yourself in check with that. I know it can be hard for some of you out there because I know it's hard for me, especially when I see other people out there and competitors and all that stuff. And we're all fighting to try and get attention and to make sure that we're delivering good quality content. But some people just tend to monetize it way better. So focus on the quality of the people in your audience, not the quantity of people in your audience and watch yourself thrive in it. That was number six. Number seven is share insights into the brand and display the brand values. As you're growing your business, I would highly recommend that as you start to scale, get really, really clear with the values, the purpose and the mission of the business. What this does is it massively helps with a hiring strategy, but it also helps with a client acquisition strategy as well. When I find that businesses don't do this and they don't do it well, and I would say that probably 99.999% of businesses do a really bad job with this. And I would say that 99% of people who teach culture have no idea what they're talking about because it's just taught in most cases in universities or it's taught in books that are very fluffy and they're very altruistic. When that happens, you have problems and you have massive problems. This is why huge corporate businesses tend to have really shitty cultures, yet they spend all this money on culture training and development days and all this stuff, but their staff still hate fucking working there. They're only working there because it pays the bills. That's about it. And if they can, if you said to them, if I gave you a hundred grand not to work for the next year, would you take it? Most of them would say yes. Now, if you have a really good culture and you said to them, if I gave you more money to leave, would you leave? And your staff say, no, you've got a really good culture. There's a great book called Delivering Happiness. And in Delivering Happiness, it's about the journey of Zappos. 
And Zappos, I think, was sold for $8 billion to Amazon. The owner of Zappos, or the original founder of Zappos, I'm just trying to remember his name, Tony Shea. So they sold that to Amazon for $8 billion, or around that. Might have been four, might have been eight, just trying to remember off the top of my head. But in there, he specifically said that they had a hiring strategy where they would hire staff, they would onboard them, they would do four to eight weeks of onboarding, and then after the onboarding, they would go there and give them a month's wage to leave immediately. So essentially, if they're coming on and they're earning $1,000 a week, after the eight weeks of training, they would give them two months or a month worth of money to leave. They would essentially have a check and they would just say, here's $4,000 or $8,000 if you leave today. Because what they wanted to do was they wanted to flush out people who were only there for money and who weren't there as a culture fit. And they said they only had a couple of people you know, per year who would do that and just leave. And it was best for the business because they said, by the time you train and develop people and then you put them in the business, if they're toxic, that toxicity will run through the whole company and it will lose them way more money than if they just pay them to leave. And so that was something that I've always had in the back of my mind as well about the culture and the culture fit because I've done that the wrong way before where I've hired the wrong people and it just ends up creating absolute fucking carnage in the business. It creates carnage with customers. And I'm getting to the point now where I think our hiring strategy is a lot better because I'm not involved in it. And I believe in people. Maybe I'm a bit ignorant because I like people, so I tend to trust them. And I trust them until I can't trust them anymore. And then that normally causes problems. Whereas Jess is a little bit better. Jess, my wife, she doesn't trust anyone and you've got to earn her trust. Whereas I trust everybody until you fuck up that trust with me. I have a problem with hiring people because I tend to trust everybody until they do the wrong thing. And then I get very irritated and pissed off. And then from there, normally staff are irritated and pissed off. Whereas Jess just won't hire them in the first place. So I'm not allowed to hire people in our company anymore because of that reason. But I guess that's what makes me a great coach and also a teacher because I see people for better than what they are. But coming back to it, you wanna share the insights with your brand. You wanna show the values of your company. You wanna share what you do. You wanna share people within the business. You wanna share some of the behind the scenes. You wanna talk about your story and your journey. Like if you've been in business for 30 years, saying being in business for 30 years is so fucking boring and antiquated. That makes no difference. But go back and show, if you've been in business for 30 years, show the first car that you had parked out in front of the store. Like 30 years ago, you know, if you're in Australia, you'll know the old like VC Commodores or VH Commodore. And there you are standing out the front in a brown suit in the early 1980s in your with your Commodore out front of your store. That's cool. People love that stuff. Then talk about the story, you know, show you with your kids when they're little back in the 80s or back in the 90s and you're standing there probably wearing fluoro and hyper color shirts for those of you who remember who they are and weird colored sunglasses like those fluoro sunglasses that you used to get from Hungry Jacks. I remember having them as a kid, bright colored pants, you know, those snap bands and all that stuff. Show that because it brings people in and go, wow, this is great. So instead of saying I've been around for 30 years or our business has been around for 30 years, Tell the story of your business over 30 years and do that over a three to six month period. Tell little insights into that business. You will gain more trust from your audience than ever before. I know that I will go back and tell stories and show pictures of myself and Jess working back in the day where we we're working from our lounge room and where we used to have, I think it was six or seven staff working from our house and they would come over and sit at the kitchen table and they would all work on the kitchen table and I'd have staff sitting on the couch and they're all sitting in there working in the house we would have these big white poster boards up on the wall and we were renting a house. So every time they would come for an inspection, we would have to take down all these bits of white paper on the wall with our mission, our purpose, our goals, our customer avatar, which would stuck all across the walls in the lounge room. So staff could work in there. We'd have it all stuck it with blue tack on the wall. I would share photos of that and people would go, wow, it's been an amazing journey. I would show photos of the old car that I used to drive, because these days I get people who go, oh wow, you're so lucky, you know, you've got two supercars and blah. Well, yeah, but you know, I sold all my cars in my mid twenties because I knew that spending money on cars was ridiculous and it wasn't gonna help our business to grow. So I got rid of it and I drove Jess's 2003 Hyundai Gets, which she bought brand new as her first car, which she had worked for working on a farm when she was young and in a silo, you know, sorting out wheat and shit like that. She bought that as her first car and I drove around in that. I used to go to meetings and rock up to these business meetings with, you know, dudes in Ferraris and Lamborghinis and all that stuff. And I had this cheap $200 suit that I thought I was pimped out in rocking up in this little fucking Hyundai and having to park it next to the Ferraris and the Lambos and go up to my meeting and all this stuff. And so I would share insights like that and customers in our audience love that. And they're like, wow, because a lot of the time it's really easy, especially when you become, I guess you could say successful in the eyes of most people. It's really easy to forget about where you've come from and all the struggles and the journey and all that. But that's what builds the relationships with customers. That's what makes them feel like they know you. 
And that's also gonna be the thing that if it comes down to, we're gonna pay a little bit more and go with you, or we're gonna pay less and go with somebody else in your industry, I would much prefer to go to the person that I know, like, and trust. So please, make sure you share those insights, share your values of the business, talk about who you are and what you've done and why you've done it. The more you do that, the better it's gonna be for you in the long run. All right, we're getting close to the end here, so let me keep going. Number eight is your socials aren't there for you to waste time. You are there to get paid. So know the customer journey and lead them through it. So the first thing is you need to get people to know, like, and trust you. So you've got to keep sprinkling this in your social media platforms. So again, I've already spoken about this. I don't have to go over it again, but you can put some photos up of the kids, talk a little bit about your story and your journey, introduce some people to your staff, let them know about the customer work you do. Now, at the end of the day, you're there to get paid. So you have to understand what the customer journey is. So what do they need to do in order for you to make money? So it might be like for us, sometimes we'll have deals running and we'll put the deals on our social media page and just go click here. Or what I might do is we might do a free webinar and then sell in the webinar because it's time for customers or potential customers to take that next step. And you're getting to the point now of sales. So the only reason why you market is to sell. If you're just marketing for the sake of marketing and your thought process isn't around selling, then what will happen is you'll have a huge social media following or you might even have a lot of people who know what you do, but you'll never make any money. And that's most people on social media. You need to understand that the final point of the customer journey is the product or the service that you have. The way that they get that is because you've closed them in that sale. And the close is always them making a decision. So I'll go through this on the YouTube training that I will deliver soon. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube, jump across Michael Mojo double zero on YouTube. Make sure you smash that subscribe button because I am adding extra trainings in there but I'm just developing the sales training now that I've gone through with a lot of big businesses, teams, even our team, I've been training them on this process that I've created, which is so simple to follow. If you follow it, the sales process is so seamless. And it's almost like, I just describe it as like lubing up a slippery dip and sliding down it. It should just be like seamless. If sales becomes very clunky and very hard and very dry and you've got to push someone to close, there's normally some problem going on in there. And sometimes you've got to push people a little bit, but it should be a beautiful experience. The sales process, if you're a good salesperson, it should be a beautiful experience where you can close the customer. And then the person who's just been closed thanks you because you've solved a problem for them. They feel understood and they feel like this is the best solution for their problem. The whole point of having social media for most of us, if you're listening to this, is to close sales. So when you know that, you need to understand the customer journey. They first have to know, like, and trust you. Well, first of all, you've got to get attention. From the attention, then you build the trust with them so you get them to know, like, and trust you. And then eventually you start talking about their problems. When you talk about their problems, they feel like you've got the solution or you're the best product or the service and they understand you, then from there, your job is to close them. So you've got to direct them into a call to action where you can close them. Whether it's get them on a phone call, offer them a quote, you know, it might be here's a deal, it might be jump onto this other thing and that's the next step. It might be to sell them a low price point product and then upsell them into a higher price point. You need to know your customer journey. So that is really, really, really important if you're using social media. Don't just use it as a sales platform because if you use it as a sales platform, you'll have zero engagement and fuck all following. And a lot of people do that, which is essentially, I see it over and over and over again. You know, we do bathroom installs, click here for your free quote. You might get one every year because no one cares. You've offered no value, there's no trust there. So that's just a sales platform. That's not what social media is. It's supposed to be social. It's supposed to create engagement. It's supposed to build trust. You wanna do that, but you've gotta lead people to the solution because if not, you're just gonna waste time and you're never gonna make money. And your goal in business is to make money because it's essentially the thing that your business eats. Businesses chew cash and then they shit out problems. And so our job as business owners is to make sure that they're profitable and that we keep making money and we can keep growing our business and serving our customers and adding value. And then from there, we deal with problems consistently. Please make sure you understand the customer journey and lead people to it. Number nine is focus on adding value on social media platforms and it's social media. That's a dead giveaway. It's social. Create engagement. Get people on there. Get people talking. When someone comments on your page, don't fucking ignore them. Say thank you because that's super important. I know sometimes I forget about it and so do my team where I'll have heaps of stuff going on and then I can try to get to as many as I can. But normally if someone messages me, I'll thank them. You know, I'll ask them questions. I try to engage with them because that's building that trust. And even if they don't buy, they might have friends who will one day. So we want to keep that engagement on there. So make sure that you keep adding value and add value in your social media platforms. Don't always sell. So it's connection over sales on social media platforms. And then last of all, number 10 is be yourself. 
I made a massive mistake years ago. When I was on social media, I used to think that I had to be a certain way. So I used to rock up to events in a black pinstripe suit. I would get up there, I'd have my nice polished shoes, my poorly fitted pinstripe suit because I thought that I was a fucking pimp or whatever. And I thought that that's how I had to be. And I get on stage and I deliver to 10 people and I'm supposed to be this perfect person. And then on my social media, I never swore. I was very choreographed. I would try and say things the way that I felt like that, you know, people would want to hear. But then what would happen would be people would come to my events and I naturally swear. Now, whether it's because my dad's a tradie, my brother-in-law's a tradie, I grew up around tradies, and a lot of them swear. It's just part of their natural tongue. It's not that I want to swear. It's just that that's just how I've been brought up, I guess. And so over time, part of my language pattern is dropping an F-bomb in there, saying shit, and saying things maybe in the most inappropriate way. I don't know. But that's my natural tongue. Now, could I change it? Yes. The question that I've always had, though, is, is it worthwhile me changing it? Would business be better if I did? Would my life be better if I did? I'm not sure. Some people who don't swear are seen by some people as untrustworthy. I know I go to corporate business events quite regularly. I'm around that sort of stuff. And these speakers get up on stage and they're so well precise and so rehearsed. I find them very fake. And then I go and talk to them. And you can tell even when they're talking to you, it's almost fake. And I just don't like that. I would rather talk to someone who tells me that I'm a fuckhead to my face. I have more respect for that person than someone who tells me everything I want to hear because they want to be liked and they're insecure. I just feel uncomfortable with that. I even had someone on social media who attacked me for ages and I was, I guess I was friendly to them. They came back into our community and I was able to help them. And now they're doing a lot of our courses and everything. And they're an awesome person. And what I appreciated was first of all, that I know, you know, they attacked me online for a while, but the thing that got me and, and I thanked them for it was that they came up to me and they said, look, I want to apologize because I was a dickhead, all of this stuff. And I said, look, that doesn't bother me. The past is the past. I don't hold grudges anyway. But the respect that I have for that person that they were able to come up and say, sorry, to me, that meant more than most. Like I have more trust for that person than most other people because they were just being themselves. And at the time they were frustrated. They were going through some stuff. They didn't understand what I did. That happens to all of us. We've all been there. And I do that shit sometimes as well. But we all change and we all grow. I appreciate people being themselves. And I appreciate the honesty that people have, even if they don't fucking like me, I would much prefer that than to be around someone who you can tell is fake. What happened was online, I used to have this persona where I never used to swear and people would come to our events. I'm dropping F-bombs. I'm saying inappropriate shit sometimes. I'm making some probably inappropriate jokes because I tend to joke a bit as well. I'm a bit of a prankster and a bit of a larrikin. So I was like that. And then people just get up and start walking out after like 15 minutes in our events. And I'm going, fuck, we just lost like 10 people before lunch. And then after lunch, we lose like another 10 or 15. I couldn't understand why. But it was because when they met the real me, the real me was different than the persona that I was portraying on social media. And that became a huge problem. So on social media, just be yourself. Like I would rather be myself on my podcast, on my social media. I would rather swear and have less people come to our events than have more people come to our events and be something that I'm not. I see it happen every day in my fucking industry. In this industry, there is so many people that are just non-genuine. And they'll talk about, you know, we have to be genuine and being genuine. Well, why the fuck do you keep talking about being genuine all the time when at the same time you're non-genuine? And I've seen this happen so often. I remember years ago, I was speaking with this spiritual guru at this fucking event. He's talking about internal peace and being calm all the time. And, you know, he's got the soft tonality in the voice and, you know, we just need to have peace and, you know, we need to be calm. One of those motherfuckers, right? And then he goes backstage and he's losing his shit because he's vegan and someone put cheese on his vegan sandwich or something that he ordered for lunch. And I'm like, dude, what happened to the peace and the calm and the non-judgment? Like, why the fuck are you judging the cheese, dude? Just eat it, you know? And so I see this shit all the time in our industry, which is the reason why sometimes I get attacked on social media by people who say, you know, everyone in your industry is fake. Part of that I agree with. I just hope that I'm not that person. And I would suggest that if you're on social media, please don't be that person. Just be yourself on there. Like if you want to swear swear. If you want to be a bit of a larrikin, be a bit of a larrikin. I would appreciate that more. Like if I was looking to hire a tradie and they're on there like this week's biggest fuck up and you see one of your apprentices doing something dumb, I would laugh at that. And I would probably hire you before I hire the person who's perfect all the time on social media. So you just have to think about your audience and who you're trying to target. Whereas if you're swearing and you're going for people who are going to church every day or whatever, and you're swearing consistently, and maybe you're slightly inappropriate on there, you're probably going to push them away. Please remember that for every attraction force, there's also a repulsion force. This is basic physics. Now, the law of attraction, if you read those books, which in fact, one of my good friends, mentors and colleagues, Dr. John D. Martini, he was on there. And he said 90% of the stuff that he spoke about, they cut out. 
because they wanted to turn it into a woo-woo, you know, make everything positive, you know, just think about it and you attract it sort of book because it would sell. And it sells to the masses because the majority of people aren't that intelligent to think through it. And it sold millions of copies. It fucking sold heaps. Whereas if you speak to anyone like John, John understands that in physics, you can't have an attraction force without a repulsion force. So if you're attracting the wrong customers, you're probably also repulsing the right customers. If you're attracting the right customers, you're probably repulsing the wrong customers. And like I said, at our events, like our business odyssey, our business and entrepreneur odyssey, which is essentially our mastermind, the people who come to that event, I love hanging out with because they're like friends and they're like friends because they understand me. I can sit there, I can swear, we can have a joke, we can have a bit of banter, we can have a glass of wine if we choose to, we can eat a steak, we can go out for Chinese. We just do whatever because they like eating food, they like drinking, they like a laugh. They're the people that I love hanging out with. Why wouldn't I want to build my business around people that I like because I'm more likely to keep doing it and I'm more likely to keep doing it for the long run, which then means that my business will be more successful long-term. Now, short-term, could I fake it until I make it? Yeah, probably. I would probably be way more successful if I didn't swear, if I didn't say inappropriate shit, if I didn't have banter. But you know what? I would much prefer to wake up every day and go, I get to do cool shit today than wake up every day and go, I'm trapped and I've got to be something that I don't really want to be for people just to pay me money. Because then the only thing that you're doing it for is money. And when you do it for money, you'll feel miserable and then you'll spend money trying to buy back your happiness, which is what most people do, which is the reason why most people don't want to work. I see this all the time on social media where someone's like, thank fuck for the weekend. Well, they're only saying that because the weekend is exciting their week is miserable and their week's miserable because they're stuck somewhere doing something that they don't enjoy. If you enjoy working, then you just work. All of the business owners out there probably know this stuff because you've gone through it as well where you hear this stuff and you probably enjoy working and you probably get told you work too much, but that's only by people who don't enjoy working and who are in the wrong job or in the wrong job role or who just don't appreciate what they've got because they're chasing a fantasy or a delusion. Anyway, Driven Mofos, I hope that these tips help. I'm just gonna quickly go through them again. So number one was understand your target audience, your psychographic and your demographic. Number two is list their problems and talk about how you can help with those problems. Number three is use hooks and pattern interrupts. Number four is share information, transformation and stories. Number five is use a call to action after the hook, the story, or the hook and the transformation. Don't worry about numbers versus quality of audience. Share insights into the brand and display your values as a company as well. Number eight is your socials aren't there to waste your time. They're there to get paid. So know your customer journey and lead them through it. People only spend money when they know, like, and trust you. So make sure you keep moving them through that journey towards the sale. Number nine is focus on adding value over selling. And then number 10 is be yourself. Anyway, Driven Mofos, if you love this, if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms, please give us a rating. It massively helps us as well to get this out to more people. So I really do appreciate that. Just hit the star rating. If you're on Spotify, you just hit the little stars at the top and it comes up and you just click one of them and it's done. It takes like one second. If you're on the podcasting app on iTunes, you do the same thing. You just click the stars and it will give a star rating. If you want to write a review, that's absolutely amazing because I share it with my team. It keeps them inspired as well and we would love to hear from you. So Writing reviews amazing. If you're watching this on YouTube as well, make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a thumbs up as well. We really do appreciate it. And for everyone out there who's been sharing my content, sharing this podcast, sharing it on YouTube and sharing this stuff on social media platforms, I really do appreciate it. It makes a massive difference. And you know, I just wanna keep helping everyone out there. Number one, grow their business, but number two, make sure that you monetize it so you can have a great life as well. The reason why I do this is that most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of it. I want you to keep crushing it, get out there, do your thing. And remember, Driven Mofos, Never underestimate the dream.